Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in the first book of the Bible today, Genesis chapter 2. So if you ever wanted to, you know, like find something in the Bible but found it difficult, you can find this, right? It's right toward the beginning. It's just going to be a few pages in. You can use your... uh, phone or device if you'd like to as well. Genesis 2. To get us started, I'm going to show a few pictures of uh, one of my favorite like vacation places. So we have a little cabin up in Michigan, looks like this. Uh, Has a deck on the back that overlooks a lake. Next picture. Uh, so, So I try ice fishing up there. So that's me. I caught a fish. Look at that. And I held it out closer to the camera so it looks bigger than it really was. Uh, up in the area, there's a bakery called Johan's Bakery, and anybody experienced the disappointment lately that it feels like donuts are getting smaller? <laughs> like, you'll go and you'll order, and this may be just for those of us that are older, like donuts used to be bigger than Cheerios, and now, <laughs> like, that's a donut, that's not a very big But anyway, at this place, they still make full-size donuts. It's just just little things around this area that make it wonderful. The next picture is a little video I took while my wife and I were kayaking down the Sturgeon River up in Michigan. I think we have a... it's, It's a great little stream because you don't have to paddle to get there. You just steer. And so in a moment, a big fish knocks her out of the boat and... Not really. That's the whole video. But it's, it's just this place. All right. And so I use those pictures to use that as an example of a place that I never want to leave. Like when I'm there, I cannot remember a time where I seriously thought, let's get out of here. It always is I like to stay there as long as I can and if I if I can. So that'll bring up a question for us all. Do I have an I never want to leave this place place in your life? Can you think of a place that feels that way? Maybe it's a vacation spot. Maybe it's like your grandma's house or a specific coffee shop. I was talking about this concept to a college student, and they said, oh, I got one, my bed. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's that kind of a feeling where you're like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm just, I could be here forever. Okay. So hopefully you have a place that feels something like that. If you do, you're blessed. It's great to have some places like that. Um, but to shift to our topic for the day, I would submit to you that, ready? Marriage is supposed to feel a lot like that. It's supposed to feel, it's not supposed to be a place where we're thinking, can I get out of here? It's not supposed to be that. It's supposed to be a place we would want to stay. And, and I would say, even for those of us who have gone through a divorce or, you know, all the challenges of those situations, we still never start a marriage thinking, yeah, let's do this for a couple years. 
That's not people don't stand before God. They don't go to, you know, get married in church. Or even I would say if you go to the, to the court, the justice of the peace thing, that's not what they're thinking. Deep down there's something in us. We know that we should hope for a place where two people come together and it's forever. And it's not supposed to be horrible. God's design for marriage is not a place to visit. It's a place where we stay. Ecclesiastes 9.7 says, Eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart. It goes on to say, Enjoy life. Not like a season, but life with your wife whom you love. Matthew 19.6, a reference you may have heard if you've been to a wedding. Jesus is teaching and he says, therefore, what God has joined together, he's teaching on marriage. He says, let no one separate. And the last verse, verse here in the introduction, uh, people were asking Jesus about marriage and divorce. And at this time, Jesus replies, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. That's bad. But he goes on to say, it was not this way from the beginning. It's not God's design. So hold those thoughts. We are in a series called Resolve, starting the year off right. And we're going to spend today addressing and trying to create a space, in a, in a marriage space, where people would want to stay. Now, I hope for no matter what your situation in life, you'll get something out of this. So if you're married and things are amazing, great. These are the kind of principles that will help it stay amazing. If you're married and you're like, I hate this, these are some, some of the things that can help. It really can. If you're single and someday you're thinking, maybe I want to be married, will you please pay attention? Because this will give us insight in the kind of person you need to be and the kind of person you need to watch for. We need more, uh-oh, a little bit of a tangent, a little bit. You're going to have to have more relational, spiritual depth than, ooh, he's hot. <laughs> and, oh, she's funny. And we both like to drink beer when we watch, watch the Super Bowl. Let's get married. That's, that's a foundation for marriage, but it ain't going to last. You need something more than that. Amen? And there's a few people going, oh, that's why my first marriage didn't last. Because that, you know, like that just is not a great plan. We need more than that. And side note, for those of you who might be in a season where you're like, I don't think I'll ever get married. Uh, um, these are the kind of things I think most of us would like to be helpful to the people around us, maybe family members, our kids as they grow. This is the kind of stuff we can help them uh, with if we know it. I'm going to learn from the original marriage story, Adam and Eve. The scene here, God is in the midst of creating. He has created the, uh, the natural world, created Adam, but has not yet created Eve. And here we go. Genesis 2.19. 
Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But, no, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Pause. Just for a little bit. Two things going on here. One is the naming of animals. But the other is at least a little exploration, like this potential partner parade of animals, like, did it got, like to Adam, hey, will any of these animals work for you? Is kind of what's going on here because Adam's alone. And so you can imagine, oh, yeah, let's call it a cow, but it really doesn't do much for me. Or like, does that make sense? But there's a little two things going on here. You know, but here's a parakeet. Yeah, it's cute, but nothing's really resonating as wonderful. And so, verse 21, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. By the way, I actually believe this. I don't know how this works. You know, like, what's that? It'd be interesting when we get with God someday, if we ever can ask questions and say, could you just run a video on how that all worked? <laughs> so I, but I believe it because the Bible says it. I, I just believe, I don't know how, but... So I like somewhere in here this is all going on. So he takes where was I? Then the Lord God made a woman from the rid, he'd taken out a man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Title of the talk is Resolve, Making This Marriage Last. And I see two principles here that will help us create a marriage situation that we'll want to stay in. So let's pray. God, I pray for all the folks, the people, groups that are listening, whether they're married or single or will ultimately just try to be helpful to others. Will you show us some great things? And I pray for our community, our world, that is sure struggling in this relational side of life. Lots of pain, lots of hurt, lots of mess. So will you make it better because of this talk today? Because you talk to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas here of making an I want to stay marriage. The first idea is an I want to stay marriage requires a unique understanding of connection. A unique understanding of connection. That's fill in the blank there if you'd like to write it in. We're going to explore a little bit when Adam says, oh, well, I don't know if he says, oh, this is now bone of my bone flesh of my flesh. 
this, well, let's try to get into the moment that this happens. Again, God has done this kind of parade of animals before Adam. There's nothing suitable. And then he, he causes Adam to go to sleep. By the way, it doesn't, it doesn't say he asks Adam, hey, can I do a surgery on you? He just does it. So I don't know whether Adam's just like, oh, just lays, you know, and God does this thing. And then Adam wakes, and uh, because God does the surgery, I'm sure there's not even any nauseous feeling after the surgery, wakes up. And then a couple of things happen. He, if we're imagining this, he would probably notice, whoa, scar, what? And then missing a rib thing. And in all of this, then also he would look there, and there's Eve, and I would submit to you that this moment would be unlike any other moment because Eve is not just an option-like kind of a thing, but he would connect, we're connect, this is, you're part of me. This thing, does that make any sense? There would be a deeper understanding of what is happening here. Little fill in the blank. Eve wasn't an optional date. She was part of Adam. wasn't an optional date. She was part of Adam. And I don't know if you can feel the difference there, but that understanding of one flesh, bone of my bone, we are together, will make a huge difference in the experience of marriage. So let's just pretend, we're still back thousands of years ago, that Eve has like a bad hair day. And Adam could be thinking, I don't know. By the way, that's all. She can only have a bad hair day. She has no clothes. They're all still, they're all still naked at this point. But, you know, like, I don't know what you're doing with your hair. Or she's gardening in the Garden of Eden. I know we're kind of making this stuff up. But, you know, she's doing something. She's not sinning, but it's just something like a little, I don't know. Or she's talking too long with the snake. Some of you know that story. And so he's like, why are you such a snake talker? We should not be talking to the snake thing. Or whatever's going on. But if there was ever any distance or irritation being created between these two, and Adam would start to think, I'm not sure I like, there would be these reminders of, oh, oh yeah, so you're, wait, you're part of me. And God brought you, fashioned you for me, which I think would draw them back together when life tends to tear us up, take us apart. Does that make sense? Real world experience, a week ago, Saturday night, my wife hurt my feelings after church. Just to be clear, it was my fault, but my feelings were hurt. Here's how it went. After church, uh, we were having a little get-together to celebrate a birthday. Confession. I eat ice cream out of the carton. You're not supposed to applaud. I do not need encouragement. 
here's the bad part. I have told my wife dozens of times, I will quit. So anyway, Saturday night, had some people over. We're going to have cake and ice cream. By the way, if you come to our house for ice cream, we buy new cartons. So we pulled out the two new cartons of ice cream, and we still had a little vanilla carton there. And so she, she says, oh, we still have some vanilla. So she pulled that out. I'm like, so she pulls it out, and she opens it up, and she looks in. By the way, if you're an ice cream sneaker, just a hint, don't use a fork. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. Like, really. This is becoming a therapy session for me. So, I, so anyway, she, so she does this, and she opens it up. Oh, have I said So she looks, you know, does the, it, and then here's what made me mad. Shouldn't have made me mad. But she then begins to say to my son-in-law, she opens up, she goes, ah, and she says, Andrew. And she starts to go, will you look? And, and I don't know why I all of a sudden, like, I am honked off. It's because I've been caught in my sin. By the way, side note, if you're caught in your sin, there's really only two responses. One is humility, and the other is anger, because somebody found out your sin. And I was leaning into the anger thing. I was, I was like, oh. And so anyway, here's, so long story short. <laughs> Those moments are significant moments in a marriage, because if we're not careful, what will happen is that little irritation will become a significant division and separation in our relationship. It goes like this. She's no longer my beloved wife. I begin to think of her, of that woman who is ultra critical of how I eat my ice cream. And who in the world wants to live with an ice cream Nazi? Not me. I don't want to live with that. Is that, I don't know, we're kind of, I don't. Are you with me, though? You know how this works? And pretty soon, she doesn't even have a name. She just has this negative title. Like, and what happens, if we're not really careful, we end up with division and... Di oh, this is good. This is good, right here. Now listen to this. If you haven't listened to anything else, marriage, most marriages don't die from adultery. They die from small, the accumulation of little divisive irritation that creates, that creates separation. Ultimately, we get so far apart, then we do the, like the death nail, right? That's what happens. And back to the one flesh idea, this connection idea, if we have a good understanding, it keeps me from thinking of her as this other person and it reminds me, no, wait, that's my wife. God brought her to me. We are not two but one flesh together. So it keeps, it, it helps me process my frustration. And over the years, you know, I've gotten pretty good at this. I, you know, was just mad for just a little bit and thought, what am I doing here? We're good. 
good verse to insert here. Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anger, frustration, these little things. Don't forget there's an enemy. He'd love to get a good foothold in your life. Get something planted in there and he'll start to pull you away from your spouse. We need to realize and recognize that's not, that's not, that's me. We're connected. We're one flesh. Some applications from these ideas so far. First of all, uh, stop hurting your spouse. Be kind. If you're doing something that is hurtful, work on it. Ask forgiveness for it. Um, because it's a temptation for all of us when we get hurt to create distance from whatever is hurting us. Theologically, if we hurt our spouse, we are only hurting ourselves. No, we are hurting ourselves as well. Ephesians 5.28 says, He who loves his wife loves himself. goes on to say, No one ever hated their own body because the Bible is consistent from beginning to the end with this one flesh idea. No one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body. They, if we care for our spouse, we feed, nurture, that's the kind of place that no one will want to leave. So I do want to pause there just in case there's a specific thing for you or me. Is there one thing I do that you know right now is hurtful? If God brings something to mind, stop it. I thought of Proverbs 6 when I was pausing as I was working on this talk. And uh, uh, it says there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to, to him. And it had a few things that I think could apply to the marriage idea. It says, haughty eyes. Don't roll your eyes at your spouse or behind their back. Some of you are rolling your eyes at me right now. <laughs> that's not helpful. So I thought, that's one. A lying tongue. Don't lie to your spouse. Hands that shed innocent blood. Just because you have a bad day at work, don't come home and take it out on your innocent spouse. Take a walk, do something, pray. Don't take it out on them. Those are just some ideas that might be helpful. So don't hurt your spouse. Be kind. Uh, the other idea is grow in the one flesh idea. Just embrace it and decide. That's not, that's my Spouse, that's, we are one flesh. And I want to just do a side little uh, encouragement to those of you who are someday might get married. You're thinking marriage might be in your future. As you look, pay attention. This, find a person. They need to have some muscles already established in their life regarding kindness. If, you're, if the relationship now is, does not include kindness, don't think it's going to happen magically when you put a ring on the finger. It like, think, what is that song? There's a song. Put a ring on it. Put a ring. Oh, 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 oh. Right? Sorry. 
something like that. Yeah, there's something like that. It doesn't sound at all like that, and you didn't look at all like her. Okay, just because you put a ring, forget it. I'm so sorry. You got to have a unique understanding of connection. Number two, and I want to stay, marriage requires an unusual commitment to sacrifice. Sacrifice. In verse 24, it mentions, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. Probably it's helpful to have a little clarity on this biblical idea. The biblical picture of leaving father and mother is different than probably what comes to our mind in present day. So if a couple gets married, you think, well, leave father and mother. Like here we think, well, yeah, they get their own apartment or their own. But from a biblical perspective, it was oftentimes a lot more sacrificial than that. When they left mom and dad, sometimes it was they were leaving mom and dad and they would not see them again, like for the rest of their life. It was more sacrifice in the midst of it. The word there in the original language for leaving his father and mother is, is azab. It's to leave. It could include forsake, abandon, desert, or neglect. So it really was a sacrifice. A potential, this might be some. it is something that they were giving up, this relationship with parents. Uh, example would be uh, Abraham, Isaac and Rebecca in the Old Testament. I'm doing my Bible time in the Old Testament right now. And Abraham sees that Isaac is ready for marriage, and so he sends a servant to, the, to a, 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 a Jewish community to find a great woman for his son. The servant goes, and God, you'd have to read the story, God orchestrates these really cool things, so it's evident to people, like, God is in this, and Rebecca, you're going to be married to uh, Isaac. So the parents are like, this is the Lord, but you still have to get to verse 58 of Genesis 24. It says, so they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? And she says... <laughs> she coughs. No, she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't cough. She um, drinks coffee while she's thinking about it. <clears throat> will you go with this man? She says, I will go. In that, she's sacrificing because she's legitimately going to be married and giving up probably any connection with her parents anymore. So here's the point you can write down. Rebecca's decision to marry Isaac includes some drastic measures. Or, you know, some significant sacrifice. And I would say, welcome to an idea that is part of a marriage that will last is significant sacrifice, potentially drastic measures. And some of these may not seem too huge, but basically a drastic measure is something that not everybody will do, even if it's a small thing. Examples. 
um, when I asked my wife to marry me, um, I was a Christian and felt, I really believed that it was God, you know, telling me to do something, two things, to have two conversations. I asked Denise, will you marry me? She said yes. And I had two conversations with old uh, girlfriends. I hadn't dated them a lot, but they were girls that we had continued in friendship. We weren't living close to each other or anything, but every so often I would touch base with them and say, hey, how are you? And we'd have a great time. We'd talk all that kind of stuff. So, so uh, Anne and Jeannie, when I decided I was going to get married, I called both of them and had this same conversation. I remember the conversation with Anne. Hey, Anne, it's Mark. She's like, hey, how are you? And she was living out in California. And I, wow, I'm good. And, this we talk. and pretty soon then I said, hey, here's why I'm calling. I'm getting married. And I'm never going to talk to you again. Well, that's what I said. And she was like, oh. And we talked. And, uh, and, you know, it was great. And, I, and she understood. But I said, so. It, but it was something. Now, do you have to do that? I don't know. I knew I needed to. But those are things that you do because getting married includes Stuff, if you're gonna, that's a deep word, stuff. If I'm married, include stuff. If you're gonna have one that lasts, you're gonna have to do some things that a lot of people won't do. And they are sacrificed. So I remember having, having that conversation with Ann and with uh, Jeannie. Other examples of times you give something up because you're married. Back when I was younger, and a guy said, hey, we need you, we'd love for you to play on a travel softball team. And I'm like, oh, man, that sounds so much fun. No, I, no. Why? Well, I'm married. And I just remember going, that, no. Um, a friend, she shared that she was not going to drink anymore, ever because her husband struggled with alcohol, and she was just done, too. She didn't need to quit drinking, because she had a problem, but she said, I will not drink again, because he struggles. And by the way, she wasn't going to not drink again just when she was around her husband. She just said, I'm just not going to drink again ever, either. Not going to bowl on Mondays, or whatever it is, for my, for my wife. Another recent one, a guy was telling me, I think it was, and he said, I don't do any gluten because my wife can't do gluten. And so we just don't do it together. And I would just tell you, now are those God-given commands and rules? No, but those are things that couples that end up enjoying life together, their whole, they just do those things. Up on the screen, who would leave a marriage that includes mutual sacrifice? Not very many people. By the way, this is not permission for you to go home and tell your spouse, you're supposed to sacrifice for me. <laughs> That's not the heart. That's not the heart of what we're talking about here. It's supposed to be driven by, I love you, we're one flesh, I'll give that up for you. Um... 
Last question. When was the last time I left something to love my spouse? Well. And I would finish our time with, I don't think that this marriage thing is a constant sacrifice at all. It's just that sacrifice lays the foundation for the many, 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 many joys that we have in the midst of it. So those are a couple ideas. Put them back up on the screen. A unique, it requires a unique understanding of connection and an unusual commitment to sacrifice. Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.